0: What is up, Leafs fam? How are you feeling today? The Leafs, a 3 1 loser on their home ice, falling in this series to the Bruins, three games to one. Is it all going to end tomorrow in Boston? That game five that the Leafs have to win to continue on with their season? I'm not so sure how it's going to play out. I know you're not so sure. We're all feeling a little tentative. We're all feeling a little nervous. We're all feeling a little down. Can we get through this together? I think we can. Let's add Mike Ogiello to the mix. The Leafs' conversation starting now. Here's the other half of the Leafs' conversation. Mike Ogiello from Buffalo, New York. So the Leafs, Mike, outshot the Bruins last night in Game 4. They dominated the face-off circle. Uh, they had the whole of the play for a better part of 40 minutes of the game. And then it all went, Pfft. what happened? Why are the Leafs trailing in the series three, one? Why did they lose last night? How do you feel about it?
1: Good morning, Norman. Um, well, uh, I think it's simply if you're going to use a th- sort of a thumbnail sketch, the big guys for the Bruins came through when needed. And the big guys for the Leafs did not. Um, I mean, Zidane Chara. You know, 40, 41 years old, played 27 minutes last night, matched up against the Matthews uh, Nielander combination, and pretty much was chiefly responsible for shutting them down. Brad Marchand, without Patrice Bergeron and Pasternak, Pasternak had two assists. He set up the the opening goal 28 seconds into the first period, and he set up Marchand for the game winner late in the Mm -hmm. second. Um, you know, they're in Tuka Rask made 31 saves. Their big players came to the forefront. Now I, I'm not going to completely blame the loss on Austin Matthews. I know there, there were some people out there who says, well, he's got to come up big. And even Mike Babcock after, after the game said, well, you know, he thought he was going to come up big and he didn't. And that's just the reality. And you know, he's 20 mm-hmm. years old. This is his second playoff sure. series, and William, William Neal under the same thing, but Mitch Marner, I think was the best player on both teams. He was the best player on the ice last night, created a lot of offense. The Leafs just didn't have enough players stepping up. Babcock indicated that after the game. And I have to say, you know, being somebody who's been consistently a critic of particular players on this roster, one, one in the late in the second period, an offensive zone faceoff after an icing, I believe with tired players Jake Gardner pinches at the blue line and lets Marchand and Pasternak on a two-on-one going the opposite direction. A team that's going to win a Stanley Cup in Toronto is not going to have Jake Gardner as their leading ice time player, which he was last night, or one of their top four defensemen. It just is not going to happen. This is the
0: least Conversation. I'm Norman James along with Mike Augello. Uh The Friday feeling today. Not too good. The Leafs trail the Boston Bruins three games to one in the Stanley Cup first round series. A 3-1 loser on home ice. The Leafs, one of the best teams on their home ice surface throughout the regular season, uh, basically disappeared in last night's third period. And that's the reason why uh, they are down to their final game, perhaps. Game five of the series in Boston um, tomorrow night. Jake Gardner's been in the league, what, six, seven years now? Why is he so frantic with the puck? It's almost like he feels like he's about to get hit. He's scared. He's concerned. We know the kid can be magical at times. But I see no poise. Mm-hmm. I see uh, no intelligence. I see no, uh, no foresight. I don't see a player who is playing the game two steps ahead of everyone. I still see a guy who... Mm-hmm at times looks like his skates aren't sharpened and he, you know, he looks like a member of the Keystone Cops. He's been in the league long enough to know, shouldn't he be the player on the defense that the Leafs are leaning on? Shouldn't he, Mike? He's been around long enough. He's been through these battles. He's got the skill. Why is he not producing that way? And why is he not demonstrating that, that veteran prowess, that poise like he should?
1: Well, I mean, the Bruins simply last night changed tactics on the Leafs. I mean, one of the things that they they did in game three, and Gardner has done for most of the season, is that big lob pass from his own defensive zone up the middle to as a break as a breakout opportunity, they they cut that off. They they sat back and took that away from the Leafs. And there, a number of times, you saw not only Gardner but other other players like Riley or, or Dermott, who are mo- chiefly responsible for rushing the puck up the up the zone or, or stretch throwing stretch passes up, not being able to because Boston was sitting back and taking that long pass away. Um, Gardner, I mean, maybe there's something wrong with us, but the thing is, is like I have not. Come to expect Jake Gardner to be anything more than Jake Gardner is right now. I think he's 27 years old. He is what he is. He's a flawed player. I call him a double-edged sword. He's very good offensively. He's he's, he's good on the point on the power play. He's abysmal in his own zone. He you know that's what he is. He's not going to change. It's not like he's a 21 year old defenseman that's going to be able to you know get better defensively. He's he is I, I call I call him you know the, the basically the American left-handed version of Mike green Mike oh, yeah. green could ne- could never play defensively in his own yeah. zone he just it's just not part of his mm-hmm. DNA and same with Jake Gardner and honestly if you expect him if you expect him to do anything different I think you're lying mm-hmm. to yourself and hopefully the, the Leafs organization you know I mean, I'm not that's not like make this a, a Jake Gardner attack sure. fest but I, I just think I just think that you know he is what he is and the, the, the task in front of Leaf management is to make their defense good enough that you can absorb the mistakes of mm-hmm. Jake Gardner. But last night, he was on the ice for almost 20, for uh, tw- over 27 minutes. And when you play him that much, you open yourselves up for his mistakes. You can lay out a statistical case
0: arguing that Jake Gardner is greater than Doug Harvey. And he's clearly light years ahead of Bobby or Mike, Come on. You get the spreadsheet. The, the metric suggests Jake Gardner may be the greatest hockey player to ever play the game.
1: Okay. And I, 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 yeah, I, everybody's I, a
0: little bit frustrated right now and everybody's on edge, and I, I understand. I'm channeling my frustration um, through just trying to decompress and digest and eat everything that's happened last night and basically taking this thing right. one period of time going forward. Let's not forget 2013, they were down three games to one. They won game five. They won game six. And remember how game seven turned out, Mike? Wouldn't that be funny? Wouldn't that be ironic if that team goes further with the Bruins than this team? And this team is um, way more talented than that team, although this team doesn't seem to have the same kind of grit. And plus, this series isn't as... I wouldn't say as physical as that one um, ended up being. Um, This is the Leafs Conversation. I'm Norman James, along with Mike Ogiello. Do we... (sighs) Do so we give credit to Boston in that we knew what to expect? This team has been fantastic all year, a point off winning the president's mm-hmm. trophy. They have the experience. They're putting that experience into play. And all of the young players are augmenting that experience core in, in, a, in a positive mm-hmm. and successful way. And then by contrast, we look at the Maple Leafs and say, look, look how much talent this team has. And we know how young they are collectively. This is an experience showing um, its ugly head. And perhaps the mm-hmm. Maple Leafs as a group, as an organization, need to experience a big thud uh, to, to, to feel it, to, to realize the hurt, to, to bask in the hurt before they can kind of um, get out of their own way, so to speak, and, and really start mm-hmm. to um, make some positive progression in the playoffs. Maybe they need this, Mike. And I'm not saying it's over, but maybe they need to feel this right now.
1: Well, I, I, think, I think you see what the two teams – a different construct. I mean, with, with the Bruins and, and, and look, you know, they're infusing, Great young talent, guys like McAvoy, who's one of their top defensemen, uh, Jake DeBrusk, um, uh, uh, Dalton Heinen, uh, you know, they, uh, Ryan Donato, who's played a couple games in this series. You know, they have young players that have stepped. Uh, uh, Grizzly, Grizzlick, one of the defensemen. You know, they, but their core group is the core group that won in 2011. It's Chara, it's Bergeron, it's Marchand, it's Rask. It's you know, they they have those players that that you know the, the, the young guys are sort of supplements to them, whereas, whereas with, the, with the Maple Leafs, the core group is the youngsters and the veterans like Marlow are the supplements. So that's that, that's where the difference is. And yes, I think, you know, Mike Babcock said and I remember clearly near in one of his press conferences near the end of the regular season when somebody asked him about pain his response was, "Well, the pain is different now. It's not like we're going to finish in dead last. It's, it's the fact that like we're going to be in the playoffs and we may be good and we may lose to teams that, you know, we shouldn't lose to. And that's the, That's the next level of pain. Well, that what what has to be recognized here, if and when this season is over with, is this team is flawed. They need to improve in certain areas, and it's up to GM Lou Amorello, if he is back, to go out and." upgrade the defense, which is, has been necessary for the last few years, and add some players um, with some experience and some size and some grit because they can't maintain that level of play against a team like Boston, who I think has been more physical and more experienced.
0: You know, I don't really have a hate on for Boston right now. We know Marchand can be a prick, and he, when he plays, he's he'll get under your skin. I've said this, and everybody knows this. This is obvious. When he's your opponent, you can't stand him. If he were on your team and he play, he's played for Canada and won uh, gold and world championships with Mike Babcock, you absolutely love him. How do you hate on the Bruins right now? What are the Bruins doing to steal this uh, win that we expect the Maple Leafs to, uh, to uh, have result in? What are the Bruins doing mm-hmm. to swipe this away from the Maple Leafs? The Leafs just aren't doing enough... To to win yeah. this series, they've been outscored fifteen to nine. Um, they're they're a team that's supposed to uh, you know be dominant offensively against just about any team they play. Boston's come to the table with a game plan that we expected, and they've executed that mm-hmm. game plan. The Maple Leafs haven't been able to to do much uh, falling behind in four, uh, three of the four games. It, look, I, I have a feeling, Mike, and I I'm, I'm wondering if Lou and Brendan and the and the crew are. Um, you know, believing in the same thing that the the Maple Leafs just aren't ready for prime time. It's a playoff club. It's a hundred point club. Mm-hmm. But as you said, um, there's going to uh, be an augmentation that takes place over the regular season, or sorry, in the off season. And uh, uh, clearly, there are some deficiencies that uh, need to be uh, addressed. And you know what? Even some players that fans are currently in love with, who may have to be shipped out mm-hmm. uh, in order to, you know, have them supplanted for. Uh, an upgrade, whether it's on defense or whether it's on offense.
1: What, what the Bruins are doing is they're working harder. Yeah. Um. I mean, I mean, last night, for example, and you know, I I think he's, he's been a great scorer for his time in, 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 in Toronto and he led the team in shots on goal. But I remarked to one of the reporters last night after the game, do you remember a shot that James Van Reams had last night? Because I don't. You know, it was and basically uh, the only thing I saw him from from Brand, Van Riemsdyk was him and Chara battling in front uh-huh. of the net on the on the one power, the one week's uh-huh. power play and Chara muscling out from in front of the net, which is his office. He's got to be there. They didn't get enough opportunities on the on the power play and. You know that that was something during the regular season. They didn't get a lot of off. They, they scored when they got power plays, but they didn't get enough of them to take advantage of their excellent power play. And that's been the case uh, with with the, with this series. They haven't had enough chances with the man advantage to 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 take advantage of it. But yeah, I mean there there are play like I, I you know I I barely noticed Van Riemsdyk. I barely noticed that, that line with him and bozak that- Brown, um, you know, I thought the fourth line played really well, and and but but Ma- the Matthews line was neutralized, and you can only expect so much out of Thomas Pekanek mm-hmm. and uh, and Patrick Marlowe and, and Marner. That was that was the Leafs' best offensive line last night, and, and you know they need twelve forwards to step up, not six.
0: Mm-hmm. Look, Mitch Marner has one speed, Mike, and I've been watching him since he entered the OHL it's go. He doesn't mess around. He doesn't take a shift off. You, you see him out there. His shoulders are getting broader. His speed is incredible. He's a great playmaker. He's in the middle of everything. That guy doesn't take any time off. And let me say this, let me say this, um, and, and I'm, I'm saying this, uh, not in jest, I'm saying this as serious as possible. And I'm, I'm just trying to put it into context. Mitch Marner, by comparison to some of the other guys on his team and other stars of the league, is not a prima donna. And we use the term, everybody's a prima donna. Tyler Sagan, Tyler Hall is a prima donna. Uh, Sidney Crosby, uh, Connor McDavid. I mean, these guys are the big, big shots. Austin Matthews. These are the guys who everybody expect greatness from, were the top picks, uh, everybody looks up to, nobody really doubts. Right. mitch marner's been a guy who's not a, he's he's put up points he's produced he's made great b- players on paper who are better than him look really good and he, he he's never had a chance to take any time off because all the while he's had doubters he had people think he's too small i was one of those people you were one of those people not because we didn't like him but we maybe you know maybe we, we just weren't uh being contemporary in our thinking when we thought about how he might relate to the NHL right out of the uh, junior ranks. But this guy has had doubters along the way, and every single time he's stuffed it in the face of those doubters. So Mitch Marner, mm-hmm. as a player, has just never, never really felt like he could rest on his laurels. He just keeps going out, keeps going out, doing his thing, and doesn't seem to get overly frustrated uh, and, and isn't deterred. Whereas guys like Austin Matthews or um, uh, William Nylander, I'm not saying this is an attitude type of thing, but, you know, maybe these guys seem to get a little frustrated and and I'm not sure they're sulking uh, or, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe they regress a little bit before they can, uh, you know, uh, reignite. But Mitch Marner, I've always said this, he's the most natural player in the league and he continues to put the, you know, demonstrate that night in and night out. And I'm hoping that, you know, his play can inspire the rest of his teammates for game five and who knows, uh, they go into Boston, get a surprise win, bring it back to Toronto, and who knows what happens. Mike, we got to wrap up real soon here. Mike Babcock, yeah. is there any? Do we do we place any of the blame on him? Is there anything we can say to him and say, "Look, Mike, you you know you didn't have Sam Kerrick in the lineup. Um, you know you're not using. You know the, your your defensive system doesn't look like it's it's able to uh, combat or stop what the Bruins are are throwing at it when they do. What 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 blame right. do you place on Mike Babcock at this juncture? And is there anything he can do to 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 tweak the lineup, uh, tweak the strategy to, to get this team uh, a win in Game Five and bring it back to Toronto.
1: Well, he'll get he'll get Cadre back, and apparently apparently uh, the Bruins will get Bergeron back for Game Five. So that sort of neutralizes that that uh, you know that advantage of getting of getting Cadre back in the lineup. I mean, I, I mean generally the the uh, the uh, uh, I would say the impression that most people have gotten is Cassidy has outcoached Babcock. I mean, Babcock has been I think Cassidy has the, the more experienced and the more well-rounded team. So it's tough to uh, to match up when, when you have that advantage. Um, I, I think that one, one thing that Babcock has got to do, and maybe he'll throw caution to the wind down three games to one is this is a purely offensive club. And I think that they've, he's throughout the year, tried to make them be a better two way team because he knows that that's the type of play that you, you have to do to be successful in the postseason. but down three games to one. And after, after last night, I mean, I, I think you basically say, okay, let's throw the throttle wide open and see what happens because otherwise, you know, you're, you may lose two or three to one to Boston and you never find out whether this team can yeah. operate like that in the playoffs. I don't, I don't think you can win that way in the playoffs. I think he knows that, but they really don't have much of a choice because that lends itself to the strength of this team, which is speed and, and offensive creativity, and that might be their only chance to get back into the series. Is
0: Mike Babcock self-effacing, inward-looking enough to – Except that maybe his game plan, his modus operandi, the strategies that have brought him to the the top of the mountain, um, the the peak of the mountain um, are are not necessarily working right now. And, you know, can he adjust this? Or is he he perhaps representative of the new old school now and staunch in their ways, set in their ways, and if it doesn't work, they just try it their way another time?
1: Well, I'll say this. I mean – Babcock over the last couple years in Buffalo and apparently this was his in Toronto, excuse me. And, and, uh, in this, in the past in Detroit has always had his favorites, has always had players who people deemed not to be the better players on their roster, getting more ice time. And, and, you know, guys like Leo Komaroff and Roman Polak and now Thomas McCannitz uh, who he's depending on. It's going to call into question Babcock's, uh, tendencies if this team falls short and he play and he's playing players uh, that I don't think contributed as much as he would have liked or he that he felt comfortable with they have young players in, in the organization they have to play them they have to find out how good they are and you know, I don't think that uh, the general manager of the team, if it's Lou Amorello, is going to coddle as much to, to the want and desire of Mike Babcock to get the players that he wanted. He's they're, they're going to go out and get the players that they think are the best players, and he may have to adjust, but I, that's a that's a battle for the offseason. Right now, it's just may, mainly, can they stay alive in the playoffs? Well,
0: if the knock against the Maple Leafs right now is an adding inexperience to an experience doesn't necessarily help a team that's inexperienced. However, I know what you're talking about. I've had conversations with people on social media who are livid uh, over the fact someone like Roman Polak's playing in the game and somebody like Sam Carrick, is it not? And uh, is not, or, or, you know, maybe a Josh Levo should, should be in the game. Maybe there's a couple of players on, on the Marlies who are trying to get onto a long run and win themselves a Calder cup should be playing with this team as opposed to older players. But um, then, you know, we're, we're going to look at this and say, well, hold on a sec. Boston has all this experience. What are we doing to counteract the experience by uh, you know, icing yeah. a team of uh, AHL All-Stars and, and players who've only played a handful of games in the regular season? So, you know, yeah. I, as, I, as I tweeted out yesterday, we'll never know for sure if Mike Babcock uh, created a lineup for ultim- ultim- uh, optimal performance because everybody has their own opinion, what we'll just have to see is how far they get in this playoffs with the Bruins, and God forbid they somehow pull it off and and, and come back and win the series. And then once it's all done, you know, assess assess the the results, assess the successes, the the failures, and 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 make yeah. uh, you know make some prognostications as to how the team is going to react to them. Um, in, in the off season, Mike. Um, yeah. Anything else? Any, what are you working on? What do you want to talk about uh, as we kind of push forward here to uh, game five?
1: Well, just in response to what you, what you just said, R- Roman Polak playing 14 minutes is not the problem with this team okay. in the playoffs. The, pro- the problem is playing Jake Gardner, 27 minutes. Yeah. You know, you can get, you can get away with a limited player like Polak is, who's a veteran, who's but got, you know, hit, he's probably one of the only guys on the blue line who can be, t- who can be tough and hit players. Uh-huh. Jake Gardner, is, is your, is the guy getting the most ice time? If you, if you're exposing yourself with a guy who cannot play defense consistently, that is a killer. So, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but, and we'll have a chance to, uh, to uh, analyze this team in a post-mortem. If they lose on Saturday or if they continue on, then we can see if they can make this a seven game series by winning on Monday. and Remember
0: series. Jake Gardner is sort of the poster child and not by his own doing, but, the poster child of that petulant bratty society that blames everybody else for their ails except for themselves. And Jake Gardner is perfect. It's not his fault. It's because Mike Babcock didn't put him in the right position or somebody else caused the, the fracas that resulted in Jake Gardner, you know, wobbling with the puck or, or, or coughing up the puck or looking too frantic, um, you know, at the blue line before, you know, giving it up and, and the Bruins going back the other way with a two on one. That's the problem. We all have to be inward looking, you know, as as fans, as the organization, as the team, uh, you know, the coach, everybody has to be inward looking when there's failure because you do lose, but you learn through losing and you can make positive changes to those um, to those aspects of, of, of your organization and what you're trying to accomplish that aren't working. Make them right going forward. This team is this team is headed towards success and great things. What, it's been a great regular season. They pulled off a great win in game three. Who knows uh, what happens in game five? Maybe they win. Maybe they go to the wire with the Bruins and lose. But there are still good values that you can take from the experience, move them forward, make the changes, and go to that next level. The problem is when people don't wa- – or, you know, when players, people, managers don't want to accept responsibility and, and just face the reality of the situation – um, you end up kind of moving forward in a diluted del- state, not wanting to, um, you know, uh, take take responsibility for the things you're not doing right. Uh, Mike, the other thing, too, is, hey, Thomas Placanich, I mean, we really can't be kicking him down right now. He scored the only goal of the game. He's looked pretty good through the past two mm-hmm. games. And if he plays his final game as a Maple Leaf uh, tomorrow and and has another good one, he can go back to Montreal and say, I did my best for the uh, the blue and white. Mike, anything you want to add in terms of what you're working on? We got to go.
1: No, uh, just uh, I'll be covering uh, game five tomorrow for both the hockey buzz and the sporting news. And for Lee fans out there, we hope that we have more uh, more games <laughs> to write about going forward, but we'll I hope see.
0: Nazem Kadri leads the way. Have a good one, Mike. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks Norman. Hey, just a couple of things before we wrap up this edition of the Leafs Conversation. I asked on Twitter this morning, how personal are you taking the Leafs results in this series? 31% of you say you're so effing pissed. 34% say you're dealing just barely. And 35% of you good Leaf fans out there trying to make it through the day say that you're fine. It is all good. I'm somewhere between I'm dealing and... I'm fine. It's not over yet, folks. Some of the comments, Sean Mack, chalk it up to a learning experience, still young, still have work to do. Of course, she's talking about the Maple Leafs and Nancy at noof 93 I'm not even that mad, she says, just sad and disappointed because I know our boys are so much better than what they've been showing for the majority of this series. Nancy, you're not wrong. And your sentiments are shared by millions of fans out there who are struggling to to find value from game four and struggling to find hope for game five. Who knows how this is all going to play out, folks. At the end of the day, it's a learning experience for the Maple Leafs. And let's not take it too personal. Of course, we get on Jake Gardner. You you got on Thomas Plakonich. You get on JVR. You get on the coach. These guys are trying. They want to win. They are who they are. And what they aren't right now, maybe they will become in the long run. Please like and subscribe to the YouTube page. We're trying to build that thing. All of the podcasts will end up there. You can listen to this episode of the Leafs Convo as well as all of our episodes through Anchor, Pocket Cast, Google Play, iTunes, you name it wherever quality podcasts are found you can find us we appreciate all of the support just enjoy the day today the weather seems to be getting better and then tomorrow let's get right back at it like the Leafs will and who knows maybe this thing goes seven like it did in 2013 and then the Leafs as a franchise ultimately exercise the demons uh, that still linger from that debacle five years ago I'm trying to be positive folks because there's so much negative going around for Mike Ogello, I'm Norman James thanks for listening we'll talk to you soon